I'll bring him back that classic intro, folks. Hey guys, welcome back again to the Cut Light and Smoke podcast presented by ZealCigars.com, CigarSoapbox.com, and as always, coming to you live from the Huddle Up, stu- Huddle Up Store Studios. Uh, and I'm joined with JB, and I have two guests actually in our studio. We're talking a lot today about pastors and alert, like, what, what they call it again? Clergy, pastors and clergy, and what they do for six days out of the week, and then they're misrepresented or misheard on the seventh. So uh, it'll be kind of fun today, guys. I actually have two guests um, from my church in the uh, in the studio today. Uh, just so you know, uh, Pastor Jared uh, Doe, who was on here before, and by so many people's requests and so many different emails, asked him to come back on. Jared, say hi to the people. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I dude. can't believe you're having me back. Of course, so I'm dude. I'm really honored to be here. Of course, man. It was it was, it was awesome uh, last time, and it's going to be awesome again this time. You, you know what's funny about the last time he was here and the time he's here now? What? Kevin Durant still isn't playing for the Suns. I know. That's not as funny as you think <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, know he's, I know that, like... Jared, I mean, just short of Jesus, he he loves the Suns. Yeah. I mean, there's there's Jesus oh, and the Suns, and uh, so it's it's. Uh, I know I feel bad for you on that regard. So it's going to be something that, you know, when the when the Suns actually are in the playoffs, hopefully he comes out and does something. I'm yeah. not I'm not feeling good about it right now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure I'm sure I'm that sure. was just, just need that, to see him back out there. And I'll I be just okay. v- lightly remembered us having a conversation about. Uh, Kevin Durant possibly coming to Phoenix, and then right. now he is here, but he's, he's right. still not playing for them. So Jared, Jared is here. He's from Desert City Church in uh, North Phoenix, and he also brought his worship and creative director, Tim. What's Tim's last name? Stancil. Is it Stancil? Yeah. I almost said Smith. Sorry. That's okay. Tim Stancil. Yeah, Tim, what's up, buddy? Say hi to people. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Glad to be here. So you are the worship and... Creative arts creative pastor. Creative arts pastor. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're going to get into this kind of stuff a little cool. bit as we talk about what you guys actually do for six days out of the week. And then you're, misunder- you're misunderstood for the seventh. That was a joke by nature of like how many times I've used that line. If anybody. Oh, yeah. Because it's the only day of the week we work, right? Right, yeah. right, right. People think you only work one day of the week. And so since you work 24 hours a day, you can like, you know, work another one day of the week somewhere else. But uh, so I don't know if it's Sundays. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my, my old pastor schedule. And I want to see how close it is to like what you guys do. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about any other days of the week because I want to ask about what you guys do during like during your week. And I know it is filled, but there's a lot of people out there that think that pastors are professional um, uh, clergy, essentially uh, work one day out of the week or like a couple days out of the week and, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's a cakewalk. It's a cakewalk. You know, you get you get housing allowance and everything else like that, and everything's a cakewalk, you know, if you would. So, uh, and we're going we're gonna to get into this a little bit, which is pretty interesting because I'm, a, if anything, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and blow, blow my, uh, blow my side up on this one. Um, I'm a fierce defender of the clergy. I'm a fierce defender of the clergy. Like when someone comes up and they don't like a pastor, or they don't like somebody, I get super upset and I'm super defensive just because I know how hard it is to be a pastor in this day and age. And I know how hard it is. So I'm a super defensive guy when it comes to clergy. Now, when somebody, when, when somebody's earned it and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of a douche as a pastor or something like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that guy's a douche bro. He's <laughs> that is he's, like the biggest combination of like, 90s words and insults I've ever heard in my life. Dude, I'm Gen X. What are you gonna do? Come on. I mean, it's, it's grew up in the 90s and 80s. Come on, you know. So, but, but that's so like when he's earned that. But, but if you don't know somebody or something like that, you don't know what it is. I'm like, hey man, you know, give the dude a break. He's still working through some stuff, and and you know, we're all humans in process and everything like like else like that. Although pastors are called to a higher 
you know, um, degree of accountability in particular through scripture. So, but let's go ahead and go into, so my, just, just real quick, my Sunday looked like this, uh, Saturday night, I, I typically had a cigar. I was outside on the back porch and I was going through my notes for my sermon. Now I was a lead pastor like yourself. Uh, and when I wasn't a lead pastor, I was a youth pastor and a college pastor. So pretty much the same thing, but I always spoke on Sundays. Yeah. So even, yeah. even though I would, I would still do the same thing, kind of play it the same way. So I'd be out back. I would be studying my notes and everything else like that. Probably go to bed around 12. Uh, probably get up somewhere around 6, 5 or 6. Uh, didn't sleep well yep. that night because you're thinking about everything you're going to say. Yep. Uh, then you finally uh, you wake up. You, you get everything going. And if you have kids, uh, you probably don't help with the kid because you're too bur- too worried about getting you know, to church and getting everything else like that because your, that's your big day. It's your one day that you're on that everyone's going to see you. Okay. And then you get to the church. And you're probably doing, it depends on if you're a church planner or if everything's already established. So when you're a church planner, you're helping like put things up. And even if you, you probably still help them put things up when you're established church and everything else like that. Uh, then, then comes through worship. And as a lead pastor, if you're sitting there listening to worship, you're like, okay, he's doing good. He's doing good. He's doing good. Something doesn't sound right. I wonder what these people are thinking. Things like that. This is exactly what I'm thinking. God, get, help me get out of my own head. Help me <laughs> focus on what you want me to tell the people. I don't want to be thinking this, but I am thinking this. Oh my gosh. There's the guy who sent me that bad email the other day. Oh, get that guy out of my head. God, I'm so sorry. You know, I want to focus on you and everything. God, take control. Boom. You get up there and you start preaching. You start going to do your thing or the worship guy starts leading his worship and he, and everything's going well. And then uh, maybe there's some audio technical difficulties, blah, blah, blah. Then you preach your sermon. You get done with the sermon. You're exhausted. You're exhausted. Then you're saying goodbye to everybody else. You're saying goodbye to everybody. Everyone's doing everything. You're catching up with people during the week that you you may touch base with once in a while. And uh, maybe stand at the back of the door. I know you do that. I love that. I think it's great. Um, I know I did that all my life. And then finally, uh, once everyone's gone from the church, you're locking up. And then you're going back home. And you're probably defragging and taking a nap from everything you did. That's exactly what I did. By two by two thirty, I was probably on the couch asleep. So yes, and then that's that's how it is. So tell me how different it is for and you guys. And that's if your church has one service on Sunday. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Ours had, oh, ours had uh, two. two, two, two and three, two and three. So yeah, yeah. So you got to yeah. do that whole routine that you just went through more than one time in yes. one day. Yes. It, yes. Essentially. Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. At when, I mean, yeah, both in Cincinnati and here when I was at uh, Desert Springs, they had two services, mm-hmm. you know, at that point. So do you, uh, you want to go first, Tim? Or do you want yeah. Me? So you're the worship guy, dude. So let, what, let's, I mean, well, well, I would say like with everyone on our staff, the weight Tim and I carry going into the weekends different because you're leading worship and I'm preaching. And so there's a certain like mindset we go into Sunday morning with that starts, I mean, really it happens all week, but I know for me, like the sermon's never ready until you preach it. You yeah. Know? So it just yeah. never, there's always more you can add to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's always things to tweak. Um, there's a lot of prayer that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing Tim has that as well. And so really mm-hmm. it feels like Sunday's like pulling us and the, cl- the closer we get to it, the quicker it's pulling us towards Sunday. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you're at Friday now, and Sunday's <laughs> in two days. Yeah. So you, the closer you get, does your Monday feel like your Friday, or does your Monday – does it? I'm just curious. Yeah, Mondays we take we take that day off. Yeah, I was so going to say. Sunday after church we get done, rest, and then, yeah, Mondays we're, we're not working. Okay, okay. Which is helpful. Uh, okay. Then Tuesdays become our Mondays, and we go from there. Um, Fridays are pretty cool, though, because it's, it's just the guys in the office. We alternate days off, so the women on staff come on Monday – and then they have off Friday, have off Friday. And then the guys take off Monday and we come in 
Friday. So it's cool. We just have like one extra day of just like a little bit, you know, a little bit change in, okay. in the office uh, okay. workspace, which is good. I think it's good for them too. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's cool. together Tuesday through Thursday. Okay. That's when most of the stuff gets done. Mm-hmm. And then Friday's like really chill. Okay. Yeah. Friday, yeah, Friday, Friday well, it should be. It should be. It's, yeah, it's like it's our, fun. it's our Thursday, our Thursday, and maybe our Friday. I don't know. Friday, Friday in the business, in the business world, Friday's the most unproductive day. You know, yeah. and Thursday after four o'clock, it, after well after three o'clock is the most unproductive day, in that. But the most productive day of any business is actually on Tuesday. So Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are like your high productive times. Now in sales, if you would, I'm in sales because we do cigars and everything like that. Uh, most of our purchasing is done on the weekend over the internet. Yeah. So that that's a whole different thing. But I'm not working, you know, during there, and we have somebody else during the, the. You know, the weekend working here. So, um, but that's and I, I think that's the thing though, because then Saturday. Saturdays, it, it, we're off on Saturday, but Tim yeah. and I are working Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially in the afternoon, evening. That's when our mind's just busy with what's happening the next day. Right, right, right. And so it's not like a true day off. Saturday's right. not. Well, I'll say when we were planting, that's 100% true because we were, we as a as a, a worship team, we didn't have a, a chance to rehearse. So we didn't. We didn't get right, together right. during the week. We didn't have a place to do it. So we right. would do it all on Sunday, which uh-huh. meant I had to have all of my prep done Saturday. I used to, when we were meeting in a school for, for mm-hmm. five, six years, Saturday was like another work day, even though my kids were home mm-hmm. and I'm at home trying to figure out my stuff. Right. Uh, now that we have a place though, and I have some places for my stuff and I don't have to pack it up every week. Right, right. Saturdays for me now is a lot more of a family day. So okay. I don't I don't tend to work as much on, on, on Saturdays as Jared. He's always there Saturday nights. Uh, you know, I might be thinking about it and maybe doing a little prep, but I try to get all of my personal stuff done Friday. Like after uh-huh. this podcast, I'm yeah. going back. I'm going to be working on all the parts that I'm playing, all the sure. parts that I'm singing by myself with nobody in the room. Sure. And that's kind of my, you know, that's my my real go time, and and then before that, it's just with everybody else. Because you, you're pretty you're pretty talented, man. You you got a good voice. Thank you. And you you're obviously skilled at what you do. And I I I I love worship and stuff like that. I've done, I've done that kind of stuff before, but not. I think you have a very good, you know, handle on it. And you're not. Thanks. The, I think the cool thing is it's it comes off very genuine. You know, that's the thing I think is is more important. I think I think people want to see the authenticity, not the not the performance. You know, but you can perform. That, the cool thing is people who are very good. And dedicated at their craft, they can perform and it be authentic. You know what I'm saying? People yeah. who can't have to manufacture a performance. They have to, you know, do something extra to make people, you know, uh, make that thing. I mean, it's it's it comes off very, very well. I mean, I you sound it. you you've probably not heard this guy before because he's super ancient, but you sound just like Andrew Peterson. Andrew Peterson. Anderson. If you ever heard of Andrew Peterson, you should go listen listen to him. He's I don't even know who that is. Yeah, it's it's old school, dude. It's old school. Do you awesome. remember uh, Derek Webb and Kidman's Call? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, so he sounds very similar to Derek Webb and huh. Kidman's Call. Back That's in the '90s, Eric Peterson like peaked, and so like that was his big thing. And he's still around today. He's a, he's an old uh, old worship guy, but he's a great cool great sound. You very similar sound. Very Appreciate similar it. sound. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know this about Tim uh, Bradley, but he like he's. Worship pastor leads worship, but he pastors mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also is really like the creative art side. He was in um, the marketing world, worked for a marketing firm downtown Phoenix. Oh, I did not know he was that. Was a videographer. Oh, and I didn't so know that. His team has won oh. some won some Addies together. What? You ever? Heard? Yeah. No, I did not know that. So you have a background in marketing, and you have a background in like film. 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 Okay. Of. So when we moved to Phoenix in oh in oh five oh six, 
uh, I just wanted to start a business. Okay. I got an entrepreneur yeah. degree. So okay. my wife and I, I had done some like Photoshop work and I went to a conference and these guys were teaching like how to basically how to do Photoshop for weddings. And I was like, we could do that. Sure. For photography. Sure. Sure. So I bought some cameras, gave my wife a camera. She had never held a camera in her life as far as like professionally. Wow. And we, uh, we went to a show, booked like 30 weddings and for like 12 years did 350 weddings here in Phoenix. We won <laughs> best of the Valley and like, no way. Oh nine. I That's think crazy against dude. one of Jared's friends. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the yeah, first time I heard of Tim Stansel, yeah. he and his wife had, they were like, you know, really popular wedding photographers and okay. they were in a competition with my friend's sister. Okay. And everyone like goes online and votes for, you okay. know, yeah, it's just a voting contest. And we kept like the word we kept like, Tim Stansel kept beating her. Her name's Stephanie. Uh-huh. And my wife and I kept saying, damn you, Tim Stansel. <laughs> damn That's you, crazy. Tim Stansel. And, and, and so when we met him, we're like, you're, you're damn you, Tim Stansel. <laughs> Which That's is crazy, crazy to me. Yeah. Like, what a small world. But, okay. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we did that for a long time. And then that, uh, I got really burnt out on weddings. I'm, yeah. I, you might have to pay me to go to my kids' weddings, to right. be honest. <laughs> That's okay. how I feel about it. Um, not the idea of weddings. I love the idea sure, of it, sure. but to be there and to work. It, well, to, to work a wedding. I mean, you're you're going. I mean, it's. I I I loved it. So I didn't. I liked it as a pastor. I mean, it's better than the alternative in the funeral, you know. But um, it is yeah. stressful because when you're you're doing weddings, that's something else about your your job too that you don't we don't take any consideration that you're just you just work on Wednesdays. But there's a lot of your weekend that's manipulated by just the masses because. Uh, what if an emergency happens with somebody in a car wreck? You're there. Yeah. You're called. Um, and whether you co- go to the hospital or whether you have somebody that goes to the hospital, it's on your plate. Like it's on your head. It's in your heart. And mm. so being able to take that and put that aside and still perform, you know, your duties on a Sunday are sometimes radically jacked. Or if you're hurt yeah. or something like that, that that radically impacts, you know, something that that you do. But no, I had I had no idea that you had that background. So yeah, that's so that, pretty I mean, cool. That led me into, I got hired at a commercial joint downtown. We were, okay. we, so we would get hired. There's a few national brands um, mm-hmm. and we would travel around. I was the director of photography. So I was, I was responsible for all the still stuff, for all the advertisements for this, for this agency, for their campaign, whatever we we're going to do. And then I also, my friend Brandon, who goes to our church and has for six years, uh, now is a president of a film company downtown. So he's still making, uh, making content for, for, you know, in the commercial world. And so we did that for like yeah. six years together. It's legit. I did not yeah. know that. And they're they're and actually I, working for global brands. I mean, they're yeah. they're dominating. So I would have been. What's that company? Shout it out. What's that company? Yeah. So he works for Owens Harkey O H, uh, and their their film company is called Matter Films. So okay. Check them out. Their work is incredible. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Really so it's probably the big film or the the advertisement you did was the Vermilion video. Yeah, that was actually a self promotion, um, trying to kick off our film company to show people here's what we're capable of. Uh huh. But we just got to go hang out in the Grand Canyon, Lee's Ferry for like nine days and just film whatever we want. Fly really? fishing. Fly fishing, wildlife. The, I mean, it's and beautiful. That, if you've never been up there, it's yeah. like another world. It is. It is. Beautiful. Yeah. And that one went to, I think that one went to the national Addy level. We didn't win the gold in it, but uh-huh. I, we made it, which means we we won the local, we won the regional. Right. And right. it was at least considered in the national. Okay. Thing. But I think because it wasn't promoting a a real brand so, it just it wasn't actually considered so so this is this is interesting so I, i'm i'm really gonna go into something okay so you, you got you guys have jobs and stuff but uh, quick questions for you guys so the thing that draws me to the church in particular coming from the rock star background right coming mm-hmm. from the mega church and everything else like that background you obviously have skill in marketing and you obviously have skill I mean, you're, you're talented 
and you're no you know spring chicken here buddy i mean you, you do a good job preaching you really do um but this simple and sacred thing that you have that drives you and that drives your vision um kind of puts all the rock stardom in check you know and i i'd have, I, I i tell I, this happened this comes up at least once a week here i got to tell you about a conversation i had actually that i know the a buddy of mine that's listening i'll leave, I'll leave him nameless but i'll tell you about the conversation in a second how this whole thing plays full circle and how anybody that's in business needs to be in cahoots with your church because like you need support. And this is just one of the ways that like we get a chance to rub hearts and, and, and encourage the masses if you would. So that's one of the things I love about the church is it's, it's simple and sacred. It's not rock star, And you could be like, I know I, I can, if I wasn't going to be a pastor, I was going to be a producer or a, a president. That was my, that was my whole goal, like president of something. So, uh, and so I know music and I know what you're doing. I, like you, you do it very well, Thank you. very, very well. So effortlessly in some ways, you know, so it's, it's good. It's very, very good. Um, and I get to drop names on you. I'm not going to drop names on you people mm-hmm. I worked with, but you're good. Very good. Um, here's the thing. So, so uh, Monday I get a phone call from somebody that has to do with a website thing. All right. And he says, Hey, do you have this certain aspect? I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to blow up because we're actually starting a company on this whole thing. So anyways, so he goes, do you have this aspect to your website that you could tell me? And I'm like, I can, I don't know, but I know the guy that can tell me. So I end up calling another buddy who says, no, 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 you got to call this other guy. Right? So now we're, we're I'm like three people removed. So I end up calling this other guy in this other part of the country. All right. And uh, we're just going to call his name Bob. All right. So, and Bob's going to be listening to this because Bob knows the, knows the whole thing. Hey, Bob. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> not Bob. Uh, and you've never heard the story till just now. Yeah. So, let me tell you how important it is having pastors and, and, and brothers in your life. Okay. So, literally, um, probably about three years ago, I felt that God was done with me and that I will spend the rest of my life just in me- mediocre Christian ministry, which is, uh, not mediocre, but like my influence won't go beyond my family and I'm going to minister to my wife and my kids. And if that's it, that's fine. You know, but that's all there was ever going to be. Um, and somehow some way post COVID and everything else like that, God's re restored a lot of stuff in my heart using your, you know, desert city, using relationship with Jared, other guys like that, that has been very, very encouraging, uh, to that. Um, and so, when I get this opportunity, I don't take it lightly. And so on Sunday night, I ran a Bible study with a, a bunch of people. And I asked those, I asked those guys pray for divine opportunities mm-hmm. um, that could happen where we get to see Jesus actually create some conversations that are intriguing. So then Monday comes and I get a hold of Bob. I, I start asking for Bob, all these technical stuff. He's, he's talking to technical jargon website stuff that I don't understand. And so I'm like, you need to talk to my other buddy, Steve, Call him, and he'll understand that. He goes, well, what do you do? I said, I was a pastor 20 years, man. I don't get any of this stuff. And he stops, like, er, wait, what? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what kind of pastor? I was like, non-denominational Christian. I believe the Bible says says what it means. means what it says. I mean, he's like, wait, what? I have a big question for you. I'm like, okay. And he's like, do you speak in tongues? I'm like, uh, no. Well, I, maybe I have. I don't think it. I mean, it's a big yeah, question. Yeah. And he's like, and he goes, uh, he goes so I got to just let you in on something, bro. I am literally deconstructing the faith that I grew up in that was, is probably Pentecostal yeah. uh, or, or apostolic Pentecostal or holiness mm-hmm. or something like that, where it was, uh, they believe if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't a Christian. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like guys had to wear pants, girls could wear skirts. I mean, it was it was it was crazy. Like he has all this like religious jargon. Yeah. In his heart that yeah. he's just defragging from. Right. And so we talked for an hour. I literally told him, I'm like, he's like, bro, I'm not trying to take your time, but like, I'm like, bro, this is where I'm at. This is what I do. I love this stuff. This is like, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll put everything on the back burner to talk about Jesus, bro. Okay. And he's like, what? What? I'm like, yeah, let's talk. And so we exchanged numbers. And he's like, I don't even know how to say this, man, because like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And like, uh, like it, it's cool to tell somebody like as, as a dude, like, uh, I like you, but we're not, I'm not gay. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be worried about like, you're like, how do you tell a dude now? Like you're cool, but you don't want to touch his butt. I mean, like that's, the t- that's where we're at in society now. Right. It's just kind of weird. So he's kind of like, yeah, dude, you got you're really cool. And like, I think I love you, dude. And you're like a cool guy and I want to hang out with you, but I'm not gay. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. were talking about that as like stra- as straight dudes. We were talking about that. He's like, yeah, it's so weird. Like you meet a guy and you're like, Hey dude, can I get your number? But like, not like that and stuff like that, you know, cause I want to exchange information and yeah, what's, we need to start like an app, like a straight app where like straight guys can be like, Hey dude, you're a cool guy. Let's hang out. You know? So anyways, um, so all that to say this huge, huge conversation comes as a result of it. Right. Uh, he's on fire. I could, I could send, I could literally point you. It may have just been him texting me right now. No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. I'll, 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 well, I think that's like your, you know, like you're very uniquely set up for that now too. Like we, we've talked about this. You get to have conversations that I don't get to have with people. Dude, yeah. so awesome and so weird. Yeah. Like I love those aspects of stuff. So then, so then he's talking about, you know, where he lives and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, Phoenix is awesome and you should come here. You should, you should seriously move your family across country and come to Phoenix. Yeah. And he's like, wait, what? Dude, that sounds awesome. I'm like, you should seriously, you should just come down here. Can you work from where we're at? And he, he's got a real, you'd love the guy. He's got a real technical mindset. Uh, and he's like, as I am, like, yeah, dude, you should just move down here. Move to Phoenix, man. We, we got we got more. I mean, you got to have some money. You got to have some money. You got, I mean, it's expensive here, but yeah. like, you can move here. So, all that to say, like, with that, having this kind of, I'll say this as a, as a, as a guy in business who's a, 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 a just a Christian who's, who's a business guy now, um, having a backup structure like you and you guys enables me to do so much better mm-hmm. that way. And then that's why I want to put you guys out on blast because well, people I, don't understand that. So, and I think that's one thing that's unique about when you're a part of a church community, like it's the, one of the few places where you have people from every like sector of culture gathered together. Like right. you have, we have business right. people from the marketplace. We have educators, right. we have, um, people from the medical fields, um, stay at home moms. So, yeah. So, yeah. And it's, and they're all together. You have a brewery guy. Is it Buck a brew guy? You have, you yeah. have a few people. Yeah, yeah. the shop few, brewery people. Yeah, shop brewery. Okay, yeah. yeah. Church music? Great that's beer. A, that's the big Church beer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, you just get, like, I think that you just get to do life with all these people from right. these different stories and backgrounds. And, right. And I, I love that. And I think that's a big part of pastoring is that I get mm. to just hear everyone's story and get to be a part of everyone's story. And, I mean, it's, everyone has a unique story. And it's, it's fascinating to me. And I, I think that's my favorite part about pastoring is mm. just the relational side of it. And, um, you know, some people have things that are just really heavy. Other people have things that are really light. But I get to be a part of all that, and, and I love it. So I, I have a question for both of you on this one. What's your favorite part of what you do? And I got another question after that. So, Tim, you go first. What's your favorite part of what you do? There, like, if I could do this the rest of the time, I'm excited. Go. So one of the times in my life that I heard – audibly God's voice was at a convention. Um, It was at Dallas stadium where the Cowboys played back in the day. It might, they might've gotten a new 
a new place, but this mm-hmm. is not open- Jerry World before Jerry yeah, World. Before before Jerry- <laughs> yeah, before yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is when it was open. Okay. I don't think it had a, a canopy, so we were okay. there. Yeah, I mean, it fits like seventy thousand people. It's full mm-hmm. of guys, mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a worship time. They're singing "How Great Thou Art," but it's just people's voices. Oh wow, bunch of men. Singing yeah, or and, and young okay. men, young men, older men, okay. right? No, right n- hardly any women because it was a ma- it was a men's event, yeah, thing? Men's okay, yeah, yeah. And I was with my dad and my uncle. I was like maybe sixteen, and that moment was like, God said, "This is what you're going to do with your life." And that, so that's what I love about my job. Every Sunday, and I tell this to our people quite a bit. Like mm. I love coming on Sunday mornings. My favorite thing, hearing you guys sing in this room, is the best part of my job. Oh wow! Yeah. So I mean. Ju- that's the that's my goal like that. I'm, I'm just trying to come in every week and remind people of the good things that God has done for them. And there's the, all these great songs that these awesome songwriters have made for us. Right, right. Old songs, new songs. And, and, and that just serves as a reminder. Don't forget about this. This is what God did for you. This yeah. is his God. This is his love for you. This is his son. Remind them every week. Hear oh, them wow. sing those truths. And that's, I mean, so God it. audibly called you at 16. Yeah, yeah it might have been 17, but yeah. So what was that a conference? Was that like a Promise Keepers conference or like yeah yeah? Pro- I, when promise? I was saying that, I'm like I can't remember the name. It was a Promise, promise Keepers, Keepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah promise back Keepers? when it was just huge and yeah, dude, amazing. Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now how old are you? I'm 42. You're 42. I almost said 32, and I'm like that's I was, not I was right. 42. Say, dude, you're 42. Yeah. yeah, I'm 48. You're you're 40. You're you have a big 40 now, bro. Yeah, you're, you're in the you're in the club. I'm here. You're <laughs> in the club, dude. You're in the club. And JB's the young buck. You're 32. You're 20. You're 10 years younger than us. My 18 years younger than I am. So. You could be my son. I'm 12. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Jared, what's your favorite part of your I, job? I, I think for me, it is it is being a part of people's story. And I was okay, just okay. thinking about this the other day. Um, I'm so inspired by people in our church, mm-hmm. and it's not the successful people; it's the people who have been dealt a tough deck of cards and they're, they're figuring out how to make it happen. So Ooh. we have a good friend named Brian um, who's been battling cancer. Oh, He's wow. my age. He's 39. Okay. okay. And um, <clears throat> during the pandemic, he went through nine uh, rounds of chemo. Wow. And he's just an incredible inspiration to me. Like just wow. this solid guy has such an incredible, like optimistic view of life. Mm. And, uh, but he's in touch with the reality of his you know, there's a mortality. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, I think of him, I think of, uh, there's another guy in our church named Zach who his dad got liver cancer this time last year mm-hmm. was given six months to live and just passed away last week. Oh, wow. And so I got to like, just watch him like go through this, like his dad was probably what late sixties. He's, he's almost our age. Um, okay. Zach, Zach is. And, um, just to be a part of that story of watching how meaningful that last year of life was, they went on a trip to Alaska, and then as his dad started to fail, they weren't able to do as much together. Wow! Um, but to, to just be be a part of that story, um, there, you know, we have one of my my dearest friends from childhoods in our church. Um, you know, they're they're going. I, I guess like I, I, you were talking about the three things that like the, the, that I, that people are experiencing: um, loss longing and long suffering those three mm. things and so like mm. there was loss there's long suffering there with brian and my other friend um they've been they've been trying to get pregnant for a long time like years and just not wow. able to and so there's this longing that they have which is a sense of loss and mm. so like just those three guys the way that they are are experiencing loss longing long suffering and then navigating that and then navigating their faith with all that too for me it's just so inspiring i just get to be a part of it and so yeah, yeah. like pastoring people i get to come alongside that i get to just listen to what they're going through 
Um, cause life is not easy and right, right. But then there's this community that comes around each other that gets through it. And so for me that I like that more than preaching. I like that more than, you know, running the church and all that. Like just, these are real people going through real difficulties and, mm. and getting to be a part of their life, them inviting me into, to experience that with them. Mm. So I, I'm just so inspired by them. Like it, it like it, it's easy to, I mean, and I don't know, like the, their reaction to what they've been, been dealt with has been an inspiration mm-hmm. to me. So, um, I get it. I get to hear all those stories as, as in my role and, um, and walk alongside people. So that's my favorite part of pastoring. Do you feel, do you feel that walking alongside of them in the ways that you do, and I'm sure both of you guys do that with different people, um, prepares you for the hands they're dealt when you're dealt them because nobody escapes tragedy. No, nobody one, escapes yeah. death. Nobody the word escapes, we use is yeah. life is relentless. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It just keeps coming at you. Oh and, yeah. It doesn't stop. doesn't um, give you a break. doesn't give you a break. just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that there's, um, it, it does. I don't know if it prepares you. I, I think what it does is it matures you. you oh, know? I think it strengthens. There's some inner strength that comes from it. And, and so it's not that like you're prepared for the next thing. Like when you go through those experiences of loss and longing, you can't be prepared for them. You can only right. experience them and then you, you mature and you learn from them and it, and it, it hardens something inside of you. Like it develops something inside of you, um, which I think allows you to walk with other people through it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, empathy grows when you go through that stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. And perspective and things that really matter and all of that. Yeah. Gratitude. What, What's Gratitude. one of the what's one of the most difficult things that you that you feel Tim about being in full time ministry and vocational ministry? What's one of the most difficult things that you deal with? No, nobody's going to hear this part. I'll edit it out. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm going to keep it in here and make it really juicy. I mean, just, the, just men, mental health. I think as soon as I started, so my dad died mm. the month that I started as a pastor. Oh like wow! The month. In fact, oh I, wow! Okay. The church started paying me. Uh-huh. And I had to take the first three weeks off of my new job because so I could be with my family and my dad while he was going yeah. through the last, you know, couple of days of his life. Oh man. Of his life. Um, <clears throat> and from that point on, I, uh, I, I don't think I had ever really felt depressed mm-hmm. and that just like brought a whole new thing, like mental health. So that I think, but then I kind of equate that with starting a job as a pastor. Right. Now those right, two things right. are probably not completely, uh, it's not the cause of it. Yeah but realizing that like there is so many things that affect our minds and my my kids I've got five kids and a, yeah. and a wife and like we've been through some tough mental things and I think it's just the burden of walking alongside people carrying each other's burdens mm. I think that's why it works because mm-hmm. if I can go to two of my friends and say hey I'm going through this mm. you guys might be at a better place and you yeah. can carry some of that weight and yeah. it, and it yeah. balances itself out like mentally, mm-hmm. but that's a real energy. That's a real emotion <clears throat> that people go through. So I, I spent three, three years going through, um, just figuring that out. Once I find, I did, did some counseling, right, right. finally got through that where I was like, wow, this is like a real thing. You speak truth to what it is and then you can kind of heal from it. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. Tim's dad passed away pretty young. For, yeah, he was 60. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. He got so, cancer when he was 50 and then again when he was 60 in the second round. So this this would be an interesting me. conversation too. I, I guess we can go down this route. So uh, mental mental stability and or mental health for pastors is a, is a, is a big thing. Um, yeah. My, my wife teases me 
continually about this because um, I don't know what depression is and I don't know what like the 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 sadness part is. I've been sad before. I've been I think I, like the, chronic depression. No, never had that. Yeah, never had right. any kind of. I've had a bad day. Because we yeah we. I mean I've had bad yeah. days before and I've I've even had bad weeks from like recently. I just put my my family dog down. Never had to put oh, a dog down before, and I brutal. was like, like for like three days, I was like, I miss Marley. Yeah, I freaking miss Marley. I got teared up about it. I got choked up about it. Yeah, you know things like that. But never like, I've had really dear friends of mine pass away, and I'm like, they're with the Lord, you know. Um, or I've had like family members pass away, and I'm like, I can I can contextualize that. I can contextualize things. Um, and so, I think that's a gift. Well, it's it's weird. She calls me a, a cosmic optimist. Um, yeah, and I'm not really risk adverse, so it, it makes it really really fun to be to lead a family that way because they're like i'm like hey kids let's jump off the cliff hey somebody should probably check out like you <laughs> it's know it's gonna be fun yeah how long how, how deep the water is you know <clears throat> it looks it looks 10 feet deep but it's really six <clears throat> so my butt hits the bottom first but the um that's a that's a true story and <laughs> happening in kentucky Red River Gorge. um but so so ca- case in point like um like when i hear that i know that that's true like I, I have several de- dear friends of mine, and I, I find that in ministry, like there's guys that, you know, struggle with the mental health aspect of things, and, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know how. I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew how to give more, um, maybe you mean empathy, you know, yeah. towards it. To be honest with you, because I, I don't. I mean, my, my whole goal is, like, so when, so when, did I tell you how I met Jordan Peterson? No. Did, did I so. A buddy of mine, um, very much like how the whole uh, I told you about somebody else I met that said you sound a lot like this guy. Yeah. So the, he was watching a bunch of Jordan Jordan Peterson videos, and there he sent me something. He's like, "Hey, this guy is like you, but he does he says what you say better." And I'm like, "What do you mean? <laughs> he says what I say better?" He's like, yeah. "Remember how though you wrote them like those twelve things that you're about, dude?" He almost wrote them down verbatim that you did. I'm like, yeah. "What?" Yeah. And so then I got into him. I'm like, "Oh, so like that's." But what's fascinating when I when I got into Jordan Peterson's mindset, he he like struggled with manic depressive yeah. episodes for a very long time, yeah. and I'm like, well, well, you know, and so maybe it is a gift, maybe it is something that's just very like I I early on in my like when I became when I became a Christian because I'm a, because I'm a Calvinist and because I'm because I have this weird idea about God's I'm like yeah. I think, I mean, death and hell is what I deserve. I'm just excited that I get, you know, cake today. <laughs> I, get, I, get, yeah. I get, I get to, I get to have a cigar and all of life is grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, in the midst of that, I'm kind of like, well, everything's good. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I die and, you know, and I tell my, I told my wife when we first got married, I was like, uh, will you live with me in a cardboard box if we never make it? She's like, I'll be right by your side. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, well then that's great. And I have a house and you know, all the other stuff that comes with like a business and everything, which is weird. So like, to me, expecting the absolute least of what I could do and then getting the absolute most of what I have, I think, has kept me in that that mindset. But like I'm super sensitive to that because in my like when my wife hears this conversation come up, she dismisses me. She's like, Okay, sweetheart, you you, you can yeah. go you can go. Cause yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand yeah. it. So but I know it's a big I know it's a big thing for pastors. How many pastors do you think really struggle with, you know, depression and stuff like that? All of the ones except the ones that are like you. Oh, really? <laughs> I would say what, it's you know, more than an anomaly. More than half, I oh, would yeah. say. Oh, yeah. really? I think well, so. and I, I think it's also the the personality that becomes a pastor tends to be a like a people pleaser, and so oh, they okay. put a lot of value in how things are going and how yeah. people are doing, and it's it's pretty easy to mm. you know go negative with that. And so, oh, okay, okay. Um, I, I think there's a personality that may be more prone to depression mm. because they care so much about what people think and how people are doing. 
And even, even like those three stories I shared, um, like those are, those are hard, you know, those yeah. are hard stories. And oh, yeah. so, um, you're around that a lot. Like, it's kind of like, isn't like counselors, like, you know, counselors need counseling, you know, like it's, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think that you're, you're dealing a lot of, with a lot of people's brokenness and, mm. and, and you're just surrounded by that all the time. And, um, that's part of it, but then you're, you can get bogged down by it too. And yeah. It reminds me of the, the, one of the Ryan holiday books we're going through where we talk about kind of your perception of it. Yeah. Because we need to do a separate podcast on Ron, Ryan holiday books, by the way. What, what's Ryan holiday? Who's he? So he, he's a, he's, he's an a, author and he writes a bunch of cool books, but it's all he's based, a mo- modern day stoic. Yeah, stoic. So he oh, started okay. reading Marcus Aurelius meditations. Now oh, he okay. writes, he wrote like ego is the enemy. The obstacle is the way Okay, they're just, it's, it's like modern day stoicism. Yeah. They're easy, okay. easy to read. Very good principles. Like it's, it's, you know, and one of the things we talked about, uh, we started reading different books as a staff and then we come every Tuesday and talk about our takeaways from the chapters just to, mm-hmm. so we can kind of read through eight books at once essentially. Right. And one of them was talking about your perception of how things happen to you and you can see them as an optimist or a pessimist. And I think, sure. the, I think the way that you perceive those things will then dictate if you're going to be depressed about it. Or if you're going to be like, that sucks, but I'm an optimist, so I see the good in everything. And I think when you, one of the things that I've and learned as a pastor is the simple and sacred aspect is if you're abiding, connected to the vine, mm-hmm. you, you, you have a possibility of seeing things optimistically mm. and you get to see God's goodness. If you're not connected and regularly spending time with mm-hmm. God, reading the Holy Scriptures, you, yeah. you don't have near... A, and it doesn't mean it's not like this Pollyanna view on life, like right. oh everything's all hunky dory all yeah, the time. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it, it's understanding that whatever happens, there's, you know, there there's my my response to that is what matters, and <clears throat> and and so it's you know what what and what the Stoics would say is what what harms you is is you harm your own soul, you know, oh, like yeah. what other people do to you. Yeah. You know, you're the one that is in, you know, deciding of whether or not you're letting that get inside of you. And, 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 you know, like all, all stoicisms, it's ideology. It's a great servant, terrible master. So it's not the end all be all to everything, oh, no. but no, it's, no, I, no. it's a mindset. I think that you see a lot of that in scripture, like that God works for the good of those who love him. Like the, this isn't the <laughs> end of the story. This so, is, there's more going on here than what we yeah. know. So, so like that's, that's what I come back to continually. So I was with, 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 let's just say Bob, Bob, yeah. when Bob was coming back to it, he was like, how do you. How do you have such a good outlook? I'm like, uh, Romans 8 1. Yeah. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm like, once I read that, for grace you've been saved through faith. I mean, like, and I was like, so what else is there? Like, what else is there? And so, but I recognize, like, I'm, st- I want you to understand, like, I, my, my, my spirit head, my, my spiritual head that I, I do the disciplines and everything else like that. That, that's good. But when tragedy hits and things like that, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, you know, when people ask those hard questions, okay, so God, if you're if you're a Calvinist, then God predetermined the Holocaust. He allowed that to he predetermined that to happen. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, that is such an awful view of God. And I'm like, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't wrap your head around it. You can't wrap your head around like all those things that God I mean did to say that God did not understand that, did not allow that or anything else is to say that God's not all powerful. Yeah. You know, at the same point. So yeah. is it mysterious? A hundred percent. And is there a difference between, you know, 
I call it pre will and free destination. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, never heard the flip on yeah, that. Yeah, pre will and free destination. Uh, it, it's it's confusing as all get out. So, but like in in the in the big picture of it, I I trust God at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, for for who He is. So it's really interesting um, to hear this aspect of it because I'm I, you're right. I'm not prone, prone to depression. Literally, something's not working on the website. We thought it would work. Like we we sold one item on something we thought was going to take off. Yeah, and I was like, oh. Well, it's the weekend. Maybe you guys will buy more at that point. And then I was like, well, maybe we should do this and maybe we should do that and so on and so forth. But then I thought, yeah, how I, how I, how I view it is more optimistic now in three weeks, nothing sells from this part. And then I'm, I'm, I'm super frustrated, but I'm not frustrated. Like I'm a failure. I'm thinking of it as like, oh, well, well maybe it won't work out. There, there's one easy answer to that. And w- which you said something really interesting about pastors in depression, and I actually had this written down already, so it's kind of funny you said that because I haven't even been at the table half the time. Yeah, JB's been um, working the whole time. We've been so talking. When people get into depression and anxiety, and I'm speaking uh, yeah. as somebody who has went through this personally yeah. as well, not just from the outside looking in, um, people pleasers are very, very uh, susceptible to that because a lot of your self-worth is built on how you're helping other people or how how you're impacting other people, right? Right. So, but there's one big piece of depression and anxiety that comes in and it's a fear of some sort of overwhelming doom, right? So there's kind of a weird catch 22 when it comes to pastors, right? Because like your outlook on things is like, if I die on my motorcycle, I die with a heavy heart and I get to see God tomorrow, right? Like that's, that's your (laughs) idea. So so you don't get that overwhelming fear of doom, right? Of of doom that you can't overcome because you already feel that Jesus has already overcome that doom for you. A hundred percent. So, and then your relationship with him that you continue to keep continues to keep that doom away from you, right? Yeah. So when a pastor gets that feeling of overwhelming doom, it's, it's kind of... for me, it comes it comes to the thing of like, where does that come from? Does it come from because they feel that they can't help the people that they that they want to help, or because it's a hard understanding of is this in the plan of uh, of our Creator to do these things? Sure, right. Sure, so where does sure. that where does that that doom come from from a pastor's standpoint? Yeah, knowing I, that I don't know that. I mean. The thing with depression too is it's really tricky to talk about because there's different levels of it and different it, types of it. Right, it's a very so, broad topic. And and I I continue to tell people like I'm not a psychologist and I'm not yeah. even a counselor. I can mm-hmm. give pastoral advice. There's some things that I I can't even get into that that people deal with and feel mm-hmm. that I can't understand. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um and so like it's I think it's hard to talk about depression especially when you, when you don't have it to really understand where someone's at and to have empathy with with where they're at because that doom can be overwhelming. Um, and, uh, and, and so I don't want to even make light of it by saying, Oh, if we just do X, Y, and Z, we're going to be better. You know, like it's yeah. not, it's not it's so much not that. that easy. No. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, like it's just as somebody who's, de- so my wife, my, my wife dealt with depression, um, early on in our marriage, pretty, pretty severely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and when she went to counseling for it and then I went to the counselor and asked, how can I help? Cause yeah. I want to be able to help this. Um, he was just like, or she was like, you need to speak truth. You need to bring her back to God's word. You need, you need to tell her cause she's bleeding lives right now. So what you mm-hmm. have to do is speak. So I literally remember holding my wife at one point, her crying on the bed about a distraught relationship in some way or how she feels or how she's worried that God is mad at her yeah. or how th- and I'm like, that's not true. This is what's true about you. I mean, like yeah. I would literally say this continually. Well, what it did for me is, you know, it, it I just it just re solidified 
all the things that I'm telling her are true of me as well. Yeah. You know, because as a fellow believer, I'm like, well, this is true of me and everything like that. The catalyst, I think, going from the truth that you know to the truth that you experience yeah. is mm. is where other people come in, totally. in my experience. Yeah, so, like, totally. I'll say this about JB because I think when I met him, I would say you're, you're kind of in the midst of that, I, what you're going through. I was literally sitting here thinking of a time when I could literally look at you and go, please tell me since I've told you about me revisiting my my relationship with God in Christ, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and relearning who Jesus was, right? Right, right. My anxiety has dropped almost... Right. I, I don't even remember the last time I had a panic attack. Right, dude. Right, like... like like his his cut my medicine cold turkey. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah cold it, turkey. It's been a it's been a really cool. And that, and that hat, yeah, those yeah. are yeah. Believe it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool experience because. So I saw that with my wife. I've seen that with JB. I've seen it with many people I've counseled before. I mean, I've done something like thirty something weddings in my life. So like I yeah. I remember even some of the pre counseling, you know, in and doing some of that. There's there's. You, you get people's personalities, and you're right. There are personalities that are that are prone to it. I know that I don't have a personality prone to it because you guys were saying something like, before we even started this thing out, you're like, he's a one. He's a bit. So you guys have a personality profile thing you guys do? Yeah, I mean Enneagram. I don't know if you've. I never heard that Enneagram. before. What is it? Myers Briggs. Yeah, it's disc, like another Myers Briggs. But I mean, and this this was popular a couple of years ago. But it's it's another like kind of personality profile. People that are super into it would hate that I call it that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it you know we we try to understand how we relate to each other as a team and how we work better. Right. I think right. with Enneagram is it doesn't just measure like the way that you uh, your your strengths and you know where your personality is. It also like tells you what happens when you're insecure mm-hmm. or unhealthy, like how you operate. Mm. And so that's the thing that's been interesting for us because we know when I'm in an unhealthy place, this is how I'm operating, or when I feel insecure, this is how I'm operating. Um, I got to know this. So, so what, that, what that, number what number am I? I'm curious. I think he's a seven. <laughs> What's seven, a seven is the life of the party. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly don't remember the numbers. I okay. Yeah. Tyler's Tyler's really good about remembering. Tyler's one of our pastors as and so well. But but like yeah. t- like Tim would be a perfectionist. Okay. And so here, here's how that plays out in sure. Tim's work. And so like we have to tell Tim when he's working on a project when he thinks it's eighty percent done, it's done. It's good enough for all of us. <laughs> right. Because otherwise he'll like be like, no, I, I need to perfect it. And right, right. we're like, no, no, no. It is great. Yeah. Leave it like that. There's no time for so it. So like we've come to understand Tim as a perfectionist, you know, can stop at 80%. It's helpful. Um, it's useful. Yeah. yeah. And like Tyler is our, our peacemaker. He's a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, he cannot deal with conflict, but he is the most relational guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we, we like even inviting him to this podcast he's not feeling well today and he like couldn't tell me no he told me maybe and i got in and tim's like dude he told me no i'm like why couldn't he tell me no because he doesn't yeah. want to disappoint me he doesn't oh, want okay and okay. so like we know like that's how he operates you know relationally with people and um, we can help him by helping him say no like reminding him tyler you can say no to that it's important yeah, yeah. it's important so to be able to say no i don't yeah. th- like people people live and die by their number and they think their whole life is dictated yeah. by good what servant they terrible master yeah. just like another thing philosophy but, right. it, but when you're using an intern like there's a whole study they did and even uh some some information they wrote for like husbands and wives here's mm-hmm. how oh, if yeah. you're if your wife if you're a one and your wife's a nine here's how you relate here's what happens when you're both unhealthy and mm-hmm. it just describes your fights like it, it's so it's very very yeah, very good, very close. So that's helpful. It, but I think it has more to do with how you relate to other people who are different than you. And like that, I gotta, I gotta see the study. Yeah, because yeah, I think I think Jamie's similar to Marcy, my wife. Yeah, yeah. She's a six, 
Okay. Which is like they're they're fiercely loyal. Oh and yeah. They're they're into like just security with the family. Like hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. Um. That I I think she's wired the same way. What are and, you? What are you? So. What I've been told and uh, is smile, I'm a two. He doesn't think he's a two. I don't think I'm a two. These aren't ranks. There's like one. You're like a loser, and like nine. You're oh like no! A, okay, no, they're, no, all no, no, no. All they're all They're all different. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is a helper. I'm not it's, sure. It's just okay. simplifying the whole like IT and J and yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you know, and making it way more relatable to like you're saying everyday life. Okay. Yeah, totally. So like the way I operate, like we have Thanksgiving, you know at at the in-laws or something, mm-hmm. I have to let everyone else eat first. You know, I want to yeah. make sure that, you know, if, if, if there's not enough seats at the table, I go sit at the kid's table and I'm okay with, I just want everyone else to be. So like, I, that's how I operate as a two is I'm trying to keep, and part of that's the people pleasing, but I want to help, mm-hmm. which is great for a pastor. And it's sure, also sure. like prone to depression, <laughs> you know, yeah. because, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. But are people mixes? Yeah. Cause like what happens is you, you have like one number that you kind of operate as, and then you have wings is okay. what they call it. And so depending on, you it's know, distinctly Christian it has uh, wings with it. Angel I know, wings. I know totally. Yeah. <laughs> so like some of it's like where you go when you're unhealthy, some of it's just an, an, a thing that you like, I might be a two with a such and such wing and I operate okay. this way. So, but just to clarify, I don't think this was a Christian or a religious sort of a no, thing. It yeah, was yeah, like yeah. a scientific, wasn't it? Like yeah. a psychology? No, I mean, like it, it's, it's ancient. It like goes way back. There's yeah. all sorts of theories. Okay. Some people think it's demonic. Some people think it's, you know. <laughs> Like it, it's it like just, drinking Monster Energy, dude. Has the Hebrew six on. Wait, wait, wait. Six, six, six. Oh, <laughs> Have you seen that? You said I just that? heard about that. It's so crazy, Last bro. Week, I just so heard crazy. about it. But is it on the Emerald Tablets? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so let me let me ask. Okay, so now we're into we're going into personality. Hodge, we're going into hodgepodge questions. Like we're all okay. in, like we went from like your your job. You love your job. Everything's good. This is the hard part. This is the, this is the good part. This is the hard part. Now we're into just. You know, random questions we can ask you, and you have to answer them because you're here. So okay. you have to <laughs> cool. do. So what what is something that you really enjoy doing that you think most people don't know about you? Like you really enjoy doing this, but most people don't don't like that about you. Whether or, don't know about you, whether it's cigars or you know something else. I don't know how much you really like doing that, but like I mean, what's something you really like doing that maybe most people don't know? I don't know. I'm pretty lame. No, so what? my my answer is I like hiking. I love hiking. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like on Monday. Why is that lame? I don't know. That's it's not just lame. Not I think it's pretty cool. Like Monday, I went out on a hike. There's a guy in our church. He's 82 years old, and he's trying to complete the Maricopa Trail. He doesn't oh. look. He doesn't look it. So at all. this is a, a trail that goes around our city. It's 300 right. miles long. Right, he's trying right. to knock it out before he dies. He's like halfway through it. So he invited me to go hiking on Monday in a 13 mile stretch. You got to be kidding me. So we went out and. Like 13 miles, like I ran, I've ran a half marathon. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I and did that. Like two, out. Sure, yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, I'm thinking it's like a four and a half, five hour hike. Okay. But he was going less than two miles an hour and he had to rest a lot cause he's 82. And okay. so I was on the hiking trail. I mean, it got dark on us. We left at like six, left my house at six thirty in the morning, got to the trail at eight. Um, by like 6 PM, me and another guy ran ahead. Cause we're like, we're going to be late and our wives are going to be ticked. Our families and, think we're dead. They think we're dead. And so we, we left and I learned a valuable lesson about like this, like, you know, when you're like, you tell your wife, you're going to be somewhere and you're late, you're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. But the later you get, you move out of being in trouble to her worrying that you're okay. Oh yeah. And just relieve that you're, you know, so I got to that point where oh, it was sure. like, I wasn't in trouble anymore. She was just relieved <laughs> I was alive. 
And so we got off the trail at six. Yeah, don't be so, five minutes late. Be like hours late. Yeah. So we were, like, okay. we were on the trail for 10 hours. It's up north, north of Carefree. Went off like okay. Spur Cross Trailhead. Okay. And then we were driving home and my wife's like, how did Dale do? He's the 82-year-old. I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's still on the trail. She's like, what are you talking? You left him out there? Like, go back and get him. And so like we, me and my friend went, we got a cheeseburger and a beer and we like waited for them to come in. And then it was 7.30 and it was dark. And like we were calling him, no service. So we drove back out to the trailhead. Sure enough, his car was there. He was with another guy. Okay. So it was like pitch black. They're still on the trail. And so then my friend ran back on the trail to find him a mile and a half in. And they were still coming back. So it was a 14-hour hike. And I loved it. It was awesome. Like for me, like I I could do that. I love hiking Camelback Mountain. I'll I'll hike all the time. That's my favorite. Okay. That's dope. I get my knee surgery and I'll go hike it with you. Yeah. My uh, wife is a big hiker. My oh, wife hikes cool. all over the valley. Yeah. And she hikes every freaking trail and everything like that. So what about you, Tim? What's something that you really like doing that not a lot of people know about? So something that I don't talk a lot about because, I mean, when I say it, you're going to know exactly why. Say you're a gamer. Say you're a gamer. Say you're a gamer. You no, no, oh, no, 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 no. one of those pastors. I'm not good at not that. Good at that kind of stuff? No. Okay. Um, I'm not a gamer. Darn. But I am into... So when I was a kid, my uncle had a book and I love, my uncle was like the dude I looked up to. He's like my big brother that I didn't have. Um, Oh, okay. Okay. He had a book on the JFK assassination and I consumed it and I was fascinated. Oh boy. Here we go. By this idea. Let's go down the hole. No, we don't need to talk about it. That's not why I'm bringing it up. Have you been to the eighth floor museum in Dallas? No, I haven't. The most amazing experience. Uh, You need to listen to Woody Harrelson's podcast on Spotify. There's so much good stuff on it. Have you heard listen to Woody Harrelson's podcast? Everybody is talking now. They're like, they're like, what well, you gotta do? This no, seriously, do you gotta do this. Seriously. Well, yeah, because like what? everyone who was there was killed mysteriously within right. the first couple. Woody, of years. Woody Harrelson's dad worked for the CIA <laughs> uh, and was yeah. one of the guys that was pictured on the grassy knoll with two other guys. And Woody Harrelson says his dad to this day claimed that he killed JFK. So hold on, hold on, keep going, keep going. So, so not so specifically you, the JFK assassination. That's fascinating. Yeah, and he's a U.S. president. That, that, I mean, it's right. still confidential files on that yep. right no, what they released we s- everything didn't they no. no they didn't they didn't they said oh, no. they, 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 said they, they ordered did. it it didn't happen oh, okay no. right okay so crazy but i but what that did is it kind of put something inside of me as a young person that like what we're told isn't the way things actually happen <laughs> so i live my life with this skepticism <laughs> bradley's Let's frothing at the mouth. Go, right bro. Dude, I'm just saying. Like, Let's there's go, a re- there's bro. A reason I moved away from the mic. Dude, Tim and I are going to start a conspiracy theory podcast. I need to just Cons- bring in my book. Conspiracy. Oh, yeah, dude. Wait till you hear this. Hold on. We're going to get into it. Keep going. We're gonna, we have to turn no, this thing I, off for a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. I have uh, two of my friends went to Point Loma oh, yeah, University yeah, yeah. and oh, yeah, yeah. Um, claimed that they saw Bigfoot one time and put it out on this like early days of the internet, put it out. Two guys showed up in suits at their dorm room. I kid you not. Bro, that's what I'm saying. So I, bro, uh, we're, we're, you're in the perfect podcast. Are, are we not? Are we not the? Cons- we're releasing a cigar line called Conspiracy Facts. Listen, <laughs> to, listen, to, ready, go. ready. Moon landing, yeah. flat Earth. Uh, what's it? Possibly one? grassy knoll. Grassy knoll is one of them. It's a candela, and then other one. These are just like fun little fun little names. I don't moon, really care about moon it. landing. Yeah, so have you seen the have you seen the meme that's been around lately? Like since COVID happened and all this stuff that happened uh-huh. in twenty twenty and, and what's been revealed the last couple of years. Oh yeah. It's a meme that has this like kind of smug looking dude and it just says conspiracy theorist 37 everyone else zero like we're 37 and like you turn right. from a conspiracy theorist yeah. into a conspiracy like you were right about all of it like and not, not i don't care about being right i just right. it's so fascinating to me that there's just these 
there's so much like real stuff happening. When, did, do you remember when you first heard about that? You're the, just not taught about the you know? Epstein's Island thing. Do you yeah. ever hear about that at all? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I heard about it like seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, dude, no way. That, that, I mean, you know how much dirt they would have on everybody if that ever really popped off. Pops off, all right. And where's his wife? Where's she at, dude? He got suicided. Yeah, I know, bro. Like he, everybody's like, oh my gosh. I mean, just so you know, like I'm telling you, bro. And like, not to mention that, I'm, dude. We're going, we're going down the. Let's go. So check this out. Not only that, but like there is something about like this big upsurge of Satanism and like um, with all the dude carnival was crazy this year. Yeah. I mean, like all the stuff that they're trying to like the Satan dragging Jesus. down. Yeah. Did you see that? That was crazy. Not to mention like little Nas X doing the whole thing with the uh, the blood in the uh, shoes shoes. I mean, like we like we were back in the 80s and 90s, like, you know, Motley Crue putting a pentagram on something was like, yeah, dude. Ozzy eating dumb. a bat, dude. Right. That was all like show. And these other guys were like, yeah, dude, this is what we're about. And you're like, what? And so now you go ask Vince Neil, like, dude, were you guys ever about that? And Tommy Lee's like, no, nah, dude, we sold more record albums. The idiot kids. Come on. That was great. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, okay. So maybe these guys are like being used by the, the evil one. These guys are like. They're promoting it in these weird ways. And like, so one of the tenets, it's interesting. I've heard that one of the tenets of Satanism is to be brutally out there, brutally honest. In your face. In your face so that you think that they're they're just just being. There's no way they're doing it right in front of my eyeball. Right, right. Which is kind of crazy. So uh, it's, and keep in mind, I don't know how much of the, um, how much I I really drink the Kool-Aid of that stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff in there. But there is something uniquely weird about the music industry being fascinatingly okay with all of this stuff that's rancidly satanic, it seems, you know, to where you're kind of like, oh, they're not like, they're not referring to things that we think are, you know, forget about the, the, the gender studies and all the gender fluidity stuff like that. They're not, that's not, that's not what they're even, they're just coming out and saying like, Yo, this is evil, and I'm about evil. Let's go. Yeah. And so people are like, uh, "Whoa!" I thought gender was kind of stretch for me, but like now, I'm kind of like freaking out about this, you know. So like, other guys who are like old school artists are coming back out, and they're going like, "Who was it?" Nas was like, "What? What are you kidding me? What are you putting that stuff on your videos for?" Like, those are people who are like old school, like rap artists are like. Yo, wasn't like, supposed to be for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's just kind of, so. Do you see any of that kind of? Or was it just? Am I being weird? No, I see it everywhere. No. But you, okay. Yeah. okay, okay. I don't like yeah. talking about it. I because uh, I oh. years ago I gave a lot of my energy to some of this stuff, and I think it can consume you in a way that's very unhealthy. Sure, sure, but on this sure. side of it, I think it's. I mean, I talk to my kids about crazy stuff like this all the time, and and I think I do it intentionally in a way to get them to think. Right. Right. For themselves like don't let somebody tell you like even your history books like if that's not what you experience and that's not what you see like question it that's i mean that's what we were taught when we were young question, yeah, question everything. everything and then now it's like if you question anything you're you know they'll call you a, a name you're against, you're against the mob yeah or you're anti-science because <laughs> yeah, you, know? you asked a question you're anti-science so i don't like talking Dude. about it i definitely don't like using my role as a pastor to because i don't want to give somebody i don't want to influence somebody in a way that looks that's looking to me as like a person who maybe has wisdom about a subject. And sure, then, sure, sure, sure. And I could be misleading them. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's totally separate. That. So I just like think I'm into like thinking about and, and learning oh other people's goodness. views on the way the, the world 
is. I, I think it's interesting. But okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna talk about it a lot. Yeah, I'm like a big Occam's Razor guy. So what's, I just what's that again? Occam's Razor. Like the most like simple answer is probably the right one. Okay. So like you know like even like some of the government conspiracy like have you ever like listened to those guys talk? They're just I don't feel like they're smart enough to pull off some of this oh, stuff. Did you I hear? Just don't, did I'm you like, hear Congress talking to TikTok? I yeah, did. I watched a little bit of that yesterday. That was crazy, so, bro. So a couple of things. One is I just don't think people are smart enough to to pull that off. And two, um, I, I think a lot of times we like we'll have the narrative we want to believe, mm, and so okay. then we find it. Mm -hmm. And okay. so like yeah, even yeah, yeah. like someone was saying like all the stuff that comes out about COVID at the end, everyone thinks their thing was right, mm -hmm. you know. And and really, it's just there's a it's probably just this complex issue, um, and there's probably truth in a little bit. Um, but I'll get, I'll get into one. This is like a super controversial one, so Let's you can go. edit this out. But no, like, no, 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 I don't want to. No, because I think <laughs> there's a there's a lot of up. a lot of concern. Like even, um, I had a, a friend that's a doctor that told me with COVID, there's going to be people who get COVID, have long term effects from it, and end up like dying suddenly of heart attacks. He told me this like a year into the pandemic. Oh yeah. And so here's what my response. Oh great. Now we're going to be blaming those deaths on COVID and they're going to get counted. What I, but then here's, here's another thing that has happened with that is the, with the vaccine, you have these sudden death things happening too. So like the football player that collapses. And so people are saying because of the vaccine, like there, there's something that has happened inside of this person and now they're dying because of it. Right. So now you have these two narratives about why someone's suddenly dying. Right. But right. depending on like what worldview or narrative you want to believe, sure. you now will interpret that from that. Like if you're like, if you think the va vaccine is dangerous, you'll, you'll see that in that death. Or if right. you think that COVID was what long-term happens. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is like, we're, we're going to interpret things through the narratives that we've chosen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've always been like, I'm going to question question even that you know question my narrative or doubt sure. my doubts or sure 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 um because i just think life i mean it, i just don't think people are smart enough to to do you know pull off some of the stuff that's been pulled off and um, while, while i while i think while i think that that's um that's a little bit of a chair that's a little bit of a check a skeptic's chair you're sitting in with the comment yeah because in the skeptic's chair is the easiest one to sit in because you don't take take sides um <laughs> Which is great. I'm it's a thin chair. Well, I have it's my own a, side. It's a, it's a well, thin chair. It's yeah, a razor blade. It, yeah. it is a razor blade chair. It's something you don't want to sit on because you cut your butt. Yeah. But like, here, here's my thought. Like, so, granted, granted that that can what you say can absolutely happen. Right. Right. Said. Oh yeah. But when when things are happening, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like people are dying. So yeah. People are dying yeah. with COVID, with the vaccine, and everything else. Like that. right, right, right. So that's happening, and so and you're hearing all the narratives behind it, right? Yeah. You're hearing all narratives and you're like, this one fits who I am as a Republican conservative and everything else like that. Yeah. This fits me as a, as a liberal free thinking, whatever. So you're, you're in the midst of all, both those and you're like, okay, but there's, don't you think that there's a whole bunch of people in the middle going like, okay, I just want the facts. Like people are yeah. dying with, well, here, here's, with the vaccine and without the vaccine and what's going on, you know? So here's another thing, yeah. like in like, like our congregation, Tim, we have like both sides of the spectrum. Like, sure, and sure. Everyone has their opinions. Right. And I've tried to understand both sides. And I think like even like the questioning science, like mm -hmm. the, the side that is, wants to question science, trying to understand where they're coming from. In our culture, what has happened is like the scientists now are starting to operate as like medieval priest. And here's what I mean by that. Um, because they have all of the authority, that authority can't be questioned. And because they have all the influence, 
um, people are naturally resistant to that. The same way in the middle, in the medieval times, people were with the priest. The priest had, you know, they're in control of everything. You can't question their authority. Right. And right. as soon as they get power, power corrupts and they don't right. want to let go of it. Right. And so even like trying to understand the side that's saying we need to question the science is because they're mm -hmm. not allowed to. And they're, they're told you have to believe this. And right. in the same way, there was that pushback against the, the religious priests okay. in those medieval times. That's happening now with the scientists because they have all the power and influence. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like trying to understand them. It's like, no, 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 no. Not everything you says, right. not everything you say is true. Right. And we live in a modern world where things are playing out and they're trying to prove it scientifically. And, it, and the whole time, like the whole postmodern like thinking I was warned about in seminary was always against religious people. Right. But it, I think the postmodern world we live in also is that science can't solve everything. Yeah. And, 100%, and yeah. we're not allowed to question that. Right. And so that side is coming from that where it's like, Oh my goodness, the new medieval priests are the scientists. Does that make sense? And and I'm not trying to demonize them. Well, sure, sure, sure. The, the, the scientists, but I think that's where people are coming from is why am I not allowed to question you? Well, I think the, the, the crazier thing is that um, science is inconclusive and always evolving. Meaning right. like, you know, and was it 1948 until, until whenever we developed the, the slow-mo film, we thought that if you left the steak out there, it naturally produced maggots until we found that flies were landing on the steak. Right, laying right, eggs. right, right. Like, that's, totally. that's something that we, 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 we developed. And so as things have progressed, even, even like, here's, here's kind of a, a, even a, a broader statement, like, as a, as a real pragmatist, and I really try to be a pragmatist about this, I don't mean pragmatist in the educational term, I just mean like real practical. So when it comes to evolutionary theory, if you would, um, I don't battle it with yeah. all the carbon dating insufficiencies. I don't battle that, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't call that. I say, by the way, Darwin was a racist at his core, okay? And if you go back to that and you say, and you say like, Go ahead and look at the original title of that. Yeah, you know, and you see what he's making the the cause for, and then you you see that come out more and more of his things. Well, then that makes people throw throw it. I'm just using the I'm using oh, the tactic. Totally. Yeah, I'm using the tactic. I'm like, yeah. okay, I don't believe in I don't believe in the evolutionary theory. You know, as far as as far as macroevolution, macroevolution obviously is true. Okay, so but like when when you do that, I just say, well, look at this, and that hits even harder. Yeah, than any kind of carbon dating aspects that I'm like I have I have some. I have some issues with that, you know, in that, but then people go, well, you have a Christian worldview about that. And so they'll take the Christian worldview yeah. and they'll say, well, that's why you don't believe in that. No, before I was a Christian, I still had the questions. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it, it just seems like weird that we would, it, we would be, be saying this and so on and so forth. So in, to your, to your point, I understand what you're saying. Like in the sense of like, well, the person is, you know, conditioned by, their subjective view of whatever they're looking at. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I get that. But in the same right, I think just even as a human experience, we're all going, like when COVID came out and it got really big really quick, we were all like, holy We didn't know crap. what it was. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Were holy, we were holy crap. And then you had, you had a few of our friends being like, dude, it's just a cold. And then we're like, okay, yeah. but there's like lots of people dying from this cold. So, so here's what yeah. I experienced, even right. with the doctors in our church. Uh -huh. um, so like I would have conversations with them about what they were experiencing in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. And they're like, if you would see what I'm seeing, you would be terrified. But then I, I had a realization, but they're not seeing what I'm seeing, which is like tons of other people that are getting it mm -hmm. and it, it knocks them out for two weeks and they're fine. Right, right. And so 
like, yeah, lots of people were dying, but that's all that they're seeing. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And then there's other people who are getting it, but they're not experiencing what the emergency room looks like. Mm -hmm. And so they have two narratives of what it is. Right. And, right, right. and so, but then like they're convinced that they're like, it's just a cold or they're convinced that it's going to kill all humanity based on what they're experiencing. You, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So let me ask you a couple questions. So did you get COVID? No. You never did? No. Did you get vaxxed? I did. You did? Okay. So you never got COVID? Yeah. All right. Did you get COVID? COVID? I, I, not confirmed, but not confirmed. I was really sick for three weeks after my son and my wife and my mom all tested and uh -huh. positive, and so I just assumed I had it. Did but you Did you get vax? No vax. No vax. Yeah. I didn't get vax, and I got it twice. Uh, yeah. And my, my symptoms were, the first time I was down two days, Yeah. really bad, headache, couldn't breathe, all that kind of stuff that you have, that you hear with it. Um, and then uh, the second time was like sniffles. It yeah, was, it was almost totally. like almost like yeah. a, you know the Omicron thing or something like that. Right, right. Um, and so, in, in the midst of all that, I think the thing that I'm I'm concerned about when I hear about it was well, I have kids. Yeah, you know, so my kids are like, Dad, we're trying to figure out what to do with this. My wife and I are both like, What do we do? My parents are vaxxed. Yeah, my parents are both older. They you know they yeah. they both got vaccinated, and they were like, What do we do with this? So. And I there's have, such a huge range of experiences. Right. With it. There's like, like there's, and it's, yeah. there's people over here who are dying left and right that have been vaccinated. Yeah. And you have people over here that died left and right that weren't vaccinated. Yeah. You know, and then you have like this big group in the middle that are like, okay, so now things are coming out from MSNBC and everything else that, that leans left on, on, the, yeah, right. on, the, on the media. Yeah. They're like, well, now we're finding out that people have never been vaccinated have just as good a chance of fighting off things. So yeah, then, totally. you have, then you have people who have been vaccinated, yeah. you know, with like the possibility of major complications right. down the road. And then you have all these TikTok videos of doctors being up there saying like, you're going to die six to six to eight years. Yeah. No one's going to be here. And I'm I like, know. six to eight. What? Yeah. That's like, I'll still be around. Yeah. You know, right, so right. like in, know. In, yeah. in that aspect of things, like what happened? And then you have the whole Damar uh, Hamlin thing. Right. People were like, okay, what happened there? Yeah, right. Was that was that because he was vaccinated? Yeah. And then something hit hit his heart and, so, and then he won't talk about it and he won't say things right, on, on right. like open open and on stuff like so th those are things that you're you're concerned about and you're like, well, what's going to happen there? Are you fully vaxxed and boosted and everything? I've or had, you just had like one. I had a boost, yeah. You had a boost. I only I think I got the and and I'm I got the Pfizer one, so it was Did like you? two okay. shots and a booster. Jared's and, one of the only people I know that has not had COVID. Like, I haven't okay. had at least I mean at least that I know of. Right, well, right, right. Yeah, it was the like the healthiest non... two years of my life. Right, <laughs> I didn't like not. I don't, I don't feel like I you had a cold. There wasn't. I know. A, I know. So if from that perspective, yeah, you okay? You carry maybe you carried it without symptoms, but then it's like, do you even have anything? Yeah, you yeah. Know? My, my daughter probably did. I carry a lot sick. of germs without symptoms. Sure, sure, all sure. Right, okay, right. Okay. But yeah, so that's. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, and maybe it's a certain blood type. Maybe I mean, there's so much more to it. And that's what's your blood type? Is it like I can't even tell you. Okay. I knew at one point. I'm universal, remember. so I'm like O positive. So like I know that's probably what yeah. I. Am. That's like what most people are, right? I right, don't know. right. AB positive is or AB negative is like the, is like the rarest blood there is, or something like that. So yeah. But in in the midst of like when we talk about the COVID thing, we talk about like as a pastor and you're pastoring during that time. Yeah. I can't even imagine. So divisive. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was it was something that like whole churches split on, mm -hmm. and then and then people split the body of Christ on. Yeah. Like there are people. Totally. There are churches like. That guy's not a believer because so, he's closing down his church, and then this guy's not doing this because now he's doing. So here, stuff. here's the thing: like, think of like another thing because because we do have people on both sides, right, right, right. And I'm always trying to point people back to Jesus, but sure, sure, like sure. the game of chess, like the bishop moves diagonally. He right. moves different than every other piece on the board. Yes, 
And, and I, I feel like that's very much my role in a world that's being discipled by science in a mm -hmm. world that's being discipled by politics in mm -hmm. a world that's being discipled by world, you know, different worldviews. Right, right. Like how do I move diagonally mm -hmm. and move differently than how the world moves? Right. And so, right. um, I, I find myself being, um, e even in whatever room I'm in mm -hmm. challenging what people believe, mm -hmm. you know, because most people are coming from whatever their talking point thing is that is discipling, whether it's, cable news, whether it's sure, a radio sure. program or a podcast. Sure. And, and really the only truth, because and just because I'm a pastor, the only truth is the gospel in Christ. And right. so, right. Um, and so like my, again, I think all of these narratives and things, they're great servants. They're just terrible masters. And, mm. and we live in a very complex world. And so did, like, you, did you hear what Jordan Peterson said about truth? No. On that? He was on, he's on Joe Rogan. Yeah. Talking to Rogan about the Bible. You never, you didn't oh yeah, see I've, seen, I've seen parts of it. Oh, it was fantastic! Yeah, I was fascinated. Yeah. By it. He talked about the, the the Bible isn't just truth; it's where all truth comes to meet yeah. its foundation for being valid truth. Right. So, right. like saying that and understanding that the gospel is the whole story of Scripture, yeah. and like saying that that is the truth. And so, regardless of where you stand on these things, that you're, you're still caring about a person's soul. Totally. And then, like, if something happens on the out, on the exteriors of either either spectrum. So yeah. over here, you're like, man, there was stuff we didn't know about this. We did the best we could with it. So this is what I'm willing to say. I'm going to say they did the best they could with what they had. Yeah. You know, and, and like anybody was, putting something out quickly, they're like, you know. Corruption gets involved. Exactly. Power no, gets involved. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Totally. So I don't fault anybody who got vaccinated. I had a dear brother of mine who is a pastor, a big smoker yeah. in California. Big shout out, Chris. Called me and said, hey, man. You should definitely get it. You should definitely get it. Let me tell you why and stuff like uh -huh. that. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay. And and I just, I, at the end of the day, I felt like it wasn't for me. Yeah. Didn't make anyone feel guilty about it. I, I did choose for my kids. You guys aren't getting it. Yeah. Okay. I did choose yeah. for my kids, and my, none of my kids had any any issues. And they weren't it. probably at risk. They're younger. They weren't. They were all younger. Yeah. yeah they were all younger. Yeah. yeah my, so. you know, my my sister, um, she she worked as a missionary in Japan for a while. I was mm -hmm. working with an organization called Food for the food for the hungry mm -hmm. and before the pandemic ended up going over to like Thailand for a while to do some work mm -hmm. and got all of our shots on our way over there as we, as you do when you go to a place like right, that. Right, like, right, right. Um, and she ended up developing like this autoimmune disease that they couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And she was like, whatever, you know, for, for her, like getting like all those shots, she hasn't been the same since then. Oh, wow. And so like, she was very skeptical. The vaccine comes out. She's like, I'm not touching it because mm. my body has not been the same since then. Right. You know? Right. Um, and like, I understand like where she came from and right. where she's coming from, from that. I just think people, people have such different experiences and are coming from such different stories mm -hmm. and like, but what would happen then is then like she gets attacked by certain people or, mm. um, mm. You know, or or she might be attacking certain people. Like right, right. I, she didn't, because she's not like that. she's like a two on the Enneagram. She's, she's not going to attack anybody. But <laughs> yeah. um, and that that's where like I'm like, how do I diagonally move through this? Right, right. Letting people have empathy towards each other. There's so much anger involved in it, and there was so much anger because it felt like life was life changed. It was this experience of loss. People lost jobs. People lost. You know, their, oh, their we savings. And we haven't recovered as a country no. at all. And, yeah, and the difference, at, yeah. like 9-11, yeah. we can point back to that and say, that's where we got hurt. 
Yeah. Oh, and like yeah. what the pandemic was two years of like paper cuts just, oh. to, you know, and oh, it was yeah. like, where did the trauma happen? None of us are feeling right anymore. Like where did the trauma happen? We know we're hurting, but we don't know when it happened. And it's, mm-hmm. so it's a lot harder to deal with. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I guess as a pastor, it's like, how do I, how do I move diagonally? How do I point people to Jesus? Mm. How do I create more empathy towards each other and right, right, and right. relieve some of the anger that's happening? How do you, let me, let me ask you, Tim, and I think this will be one of the last talking points just by nature of time. How do you balance the, um, cause I'm, I'm a type A personality. I'm, I'm, I am a confrontational guy. I don't mind confrontation. Yeah, totally. I don't, I don't, I don't look for it. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty big peacemaker to be yeah. honest with you. You don't retreat from it. No, not yeah. at all. Not, if I see it, I'll, I'll meet it head on. Yeah. yeah. If I see it, if I, if it, it, I'm trying, I'm trying to give you an example. If somebody stood up in our church and they started yelling at you, I would be the person to get up and take them out. And mm-hmm. that like, happens I'm seven times. Yeah, <laughs> like, if it does, I'll be like, I'll be like, Hey buddy, come here, come over here. Go here. Let's, let's you and I talk outside, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't be sitting there like, Oh no, who's going to do something. You yeah. Know, I would do something like that. Um, or I just start yelling, like, sit down. What are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. right. Right. This is not, it's not in order. It's scripture about order. Idiots. Yeah. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say idiot, but I would say something worse. Um, but so how do you, how do you, how do you balance the, like the, the softness and or the tenderness with the, there's times where you have to be a shepherd, and take the rod out and beat the crap yeah. out of a wolf. Yeah. You know, totally. have you seen that uh, ministry so far where like there's been, yeah, you know, there's been wolves that come yeah. in. There's a predator. And, and they're, yeah. yeah. And then, or even like, let's, let's go even further on that. Even there's, there's parts of, of, of good and well-intentioned believers. By the way, if you haven't read the book called Well-Intentioned Dragons. Oh, that sounds good. It's a great book. Making note. I had, I had to read it for uh seminary before I graduated. And it was last thing we had to do. And it made you not want to go into ministry. Yeah. Then they're like, go ahead. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, 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 it's story of story of story of people who have well-intentioned destroyed churches. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well-intentioned people. Yeah. Um, totally. So how do you balance that where you're like, you know, you're, you're tender and everything like that, but somebody comes up and and they're obviously a wolf, not confrontational necessarily because not every confrontation is, is mean or well, like, they're, they're not to be insulting. They're just like, Hey, by the way, I don't like this or I don't yeah. like that. But yeah. like when it comes to, I guess that's another question. Like when someone does that, how do you separate like the issue yeah. that they're talking about from you personally? Cause I, I used to always take it personal too. Like I would be like, uh, I don't care. Go somewhere else. You know, that kind of thing versus like, you know, maybe they're saying something to me that I need to hear or something like that. So how do you deal with the First off, like question one, how do you know when to take the, uh, the rod and, and smack the head? Is it the rod? I think, yeah, the rod that hits the wolf, and the, the staff pulls the sheep back in. You know, and that kind of thing. So for me, I feel like the feeling, and I have been through that. The feeling of mm. saying something and wanting just the compulsion to, I need to do something about this. I, I cannot be silent about this. I mm, have to. Totally. I have to speak. And mm. I, I'm kind of like you. That like I don't look for confrontation, but if, if it's there, like I, right. yeah, I, somebody stands up, I'm going to be right over there directing them outside. Like right, this is not right. the place for it. Right, right. Um, and I and I don't have a problem. Like if especially if it's mm. like wrong directly to me like i like i see it as this isn't okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do something about that mm-hmm. not gonna be standing there just waiting for somebody else to do mm-hmm. something um but i think a lot of times when i feel that it's because i've experienced s- similar i've done the thing that that person is doing mm. so i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong because i'm better than you 
you're right. wrong because I did that same thing and I realized years later that that was the wrong thing to do. Okay. Can I talk to you about that and tell right. you why you should rethink your, your mm. approach? Okay. Those sorts of things. It's really hard to continue in relationship with people when you do that and then they continue doing that thing anyways. <laughs> right. You're like, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. you can only extend grace for so long, but then at some point, like, you know, dust your feet off and move on, you know? That's such that's, a, that's I, a that's true I think word. I've come to a place where it's like, you can only do the right thing. Like, and so knowing if there's confrontation that needs to happen, mm-hmm. is it because of my ego or is it the right mm. thing to do? And if it's the right thing to do, I need to do what I know is right, and then I can't control the outcome. Then that fight. I can't control it. the blow up. I can't control their reaction. The reaction. Yeah. Um, but I have to be faithful to what I believe the right thing is. You know, Does that makes sense. That's. Yeah, I'm just thinking. No, that's that's a good word because like that that helps me actually with where I'm at in life. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, because um, I was a very reactional person growing up. Right. So if somebody stood up and did that. I'm not going to be the first person to react now where I would have been before yeah. because the reaction that I would have had would have not have been a good reaction. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been any better than the reaction that I was reacting to, right? So, yeah. you know, it's like meat and fire with fire kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I've actually had to take a really big step back and start asking myself when I see situations, is that a situation that I could handle properly? Mm-hmm. Is is this a situation that um, that I want to handle? And if it's a situation I don't want to handle, I have to ask myself, why is it because um, I I just don't know how to have that conversation with that person? Is it something I've never experienced before or am I actually concerned about the way that I'm going to react about it? Yeah. And that's been hard for me to deal with it. And and with that, doing the right thing requires you to be proactive. Like if the right thing is to retreat or to be passive you're not doing the right thing, you know? So like there's times where you, you have to be proactive and take that on. And so I'm a swinger. I am an absolute (laughs) sword swinging, throwing punches type guy. I, I, I almost punched out one of my elders for doing something that was so any dessert. We're going to stop this. I'm going to tell the story. (laughs) Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the, uh, the, the podcast. I can't tell you this story because this guy is still around today and he knows who he is and he listens to the podcast, but he deserves to get punched. <laughs> and uh, with that said, guys, thanks for listening so much to listen to the Cut Light and Smoke podcast. If you have any any input at all for my guest or for me, email us at Cut Light Smoke Podcast, all one word, Cut Light Smoke Podcast at gmail.com. And again, Cut Light Smoke Podcast brought to you by ZealCigars.com, CigarSoapbox.com, and the Hell Up Store Studios. That's all we got for you guys. Thank you to my guests, Jared and Tim, for being here. So thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, take it easy. Peace.